Well, good evening, everyone. Um, before I get started, turn to the person next to you. I want to ask the question, what did your parents tell you that you should or should not do? What did your parents tell you that you should or should not do? All right, before I start, there is some sad news tonight. Um, it is my last Sunday here at WBC, um, and afterwards there will be a farewell. Um, but before we get to any of that, let's get to the important bit of why we're here, um, and that's God's Word. And before I start, how about I pray? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would uh, use your spirit through me. I pray that the words that I'd speak tonight would be yours. Um, Lord, I, help, I pray that you would help us to open our hearts and minds to your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Out of those discussions that you just had, what were some of the things that you said? Shout them out. Bad language. Bad language. Yeah. Not to do. Not to do. <laughs> Good to clarify. Okay. Washing dishes. Yeah. Do wash dishes. Was there any don't? Don't lie. Yep. Don't hit your sister. Don't hit your sister. I've got a story about my sister here. Um, yes, parents often tell us as children of uh, things that we should or shouldn't do. Um, I, um, as children, we often too like to press the boundaries a bit. We like to push the buttons and see how far we can get. Um, and I realise as I'm saying this, my dad's just in front here, so I better watch my words. But... <laughs> But I remember um, growing up uh, with my sister, I would often try and push the buttons with her. So much so, if I could get the buttons pushed just right, she'd go, but then afterwards I'd hear, Ma, like from mum, Simone, stop screaming, and I would get off. And that was great. If I pushed it too hard though, then I was gone. That was no good. There was other things too growing up, you know, like having a shower. That's just time consuming. Why would you bother having a shower? Although later on in life, I sort of go, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. We should do that more often. <laughs> you see, there might be other things too that your parents tell you to do. It might be, you know, they want you to go to university. They want you to go to TAFE. They want you to save money when all you want to do is just spend it on the latest smartphone or whatever. <laughs> is that what you wanted to do? <laughs> it was actually. <laughs> you see, we can find this hard with God at times too. Um, but the thing with parents is even though if you understand the purpose of what they do, why they do what they do, sometimes it doesn't make a difference if you know what their will is for you, right? But what about God? As children of God, what does that look like for those that believe? like a child growing up and maturing under the will of their parents, what does it look like for us as Christians as we grow and mature in our faith? And one of the things that often we don't look at is what impact should God's knowing God's will have on our lives? See, Paul in his letter to the Colossians, see this is something that's quite important, so much so that it's his prayer for the Colossians. And if there is an impact for us, then I think we should explore it. 
And that's what this section of Colossians is about. Now, before I dive into what the impact of God's will is for us, I think it would be helpful to kind of explain, well, what is God's will in the first place? And that's nearly a sermon in itself. Um, But what I'll try and do is uh, simplify it a little bit for the context of this passage. Often we can overcomplicate what God's will is for us. You know, am I in the right career? Am I, should I take this job or should I take that job? You know, you weigh up your options. Am I dating the right person? You know, if only I knew what God's will is for me, then I would be able to decide and it would just be so much easier. Well, I want to say that everything you need to know about God's will is actually in this book, in the Bible. You see, God's will for us is to become more like Jesus. Our God's will for us is to become more like Jesus. If you have a look at Luke uh, chapter 9, verse 23, it says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. The first half of Thessalonians 4.3 says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. 1 Timothy 2.3-4 God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And even in the Old Testament, in Micah 6, 8, we see that he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. See, these verses actually point to Jesus' actions while he was here on earth. To come to a knowledge of the truth in what Jesus has done and what it means for you and for me. To act justly, to love mercy to walk humbly just as Christ did. Now, the question then still remains, well, what does that still look like for me? Like, I get that idea, but, you know, I I have a choice of jobs here or a biggish decision. What do I do there? Um, And I understand that that partially doesn't really answer the question, but I think we have a lot more freedom than we actually realise. I think God God cares more about you and your personality and and your relationship with him than he does about what you do. But let's come back to the passage. And if you look in verse 9, it says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. If God's will for us is just to be more like Jesus, and Paul would have known that, why didn't he just write that in this letter? I think there's a key word here to explore, and that is fill, Right? Paul wants them to be filled with the knowledge of his will, to have a deeper, richer, more full understanding of God's will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And I think one way to try and unpack this and explore this is to understand what that looks like in our lives. What is the impact in our lives of knowing God's will? So that leads me into the first point for this. And that is that our lives will honour and please God. Have a look with me in verse 9 and 10. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So what's the result 
of being filled with the knowledge of his will. Well, if you look at verse 10, it says that they um, live a life, may live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing to God in every way. The outcome of that produces good fruit for every good work. And through all of this, we increase in our knowledge of God. And it makes sense, right? If you're doing what God wants you to do, it would make sense that he would be pleased with you, right? Um, Some of you don't know, I grew up on a farm, uh, 30Ks, north of Griffith. Um, And growing up, I remember being quite inquisitive. Um, I remember Dad would often tell me that I'd get in the way of the job he's trying to do, and he's looking there, and here's Drew looking in, going, ooh, what's going on there? Um, I wanted to know how things work. I remember as soon as I got home off the bus, especially if it was harvest time, I would have mum bring my work clothes with me and drop me off at the paddock to see what dad was up to. So, you see, I, as, as, I, um, as I grew older and I got a few more tastes of things and starting to drive things, well, that was a nightmare for dad because I couldn't touch the pedals, but I really wanted to drive it. And as soon as I got a taste, I just wanted to drive everything. But as I grew older and grew in my knowledge of the farm, I stopped becoming more of a pest and became a bit more helpful. I started to learn things. I started to pick things up. I'd try and work out what tool might be needed next for the job. You know, maybe even spot something that might need to be fixed, a potential problem or whatever. I'd start to analyse things. And through that, I actually learned. I grew. Dad wanted me to grow. And soon, as a result of that, I gained more responsibility. See, my actions, as I learnt and grew, I, it led to good fruit. It led to good actions, which was helpful for Dad. And I think we can bring this back to God too. Us growing in the knowledge of God's will leads us to producing good fruit. And through all that, you grow in the knowledge of God as well. I think when we bring this home and apply it to us, uh, we, can, we have this idea, and it's not a wrong idea, that God's love right, is, is 100% all the time. It is full. It never varies. It is incredibly huge. And like I said, that's not wrong. But what about pleasing God? I want to argue that that's actually something you can do. You can please God and you can displease God. You know, take a child, for example. They can do something to displease their parents and they can do something to please their parents. But in either case, the the parent still loves the child, right? Bring this to God. You replace that parent with God and it's a similar story, right? You can do things to please God and you can do things to displease God, but he still loves you regardless. And so I think that's helpful in understanding what this passage, this section is about. And often this can be really hard. It can be really hard. You know, we have this thing called sin in our lives and that gets in the way of a lot of things. But you know, there's there's something, something radical that we see in the passage too. And that's, we don't have to do this on our own. It's not a set and forget. It's not like, you become a Christian, right, that's done, and then when you die, that'd be nice, you're hopefully in heaven with God, and there's nothing in between. It's not like that at all. And we see this in, the, uh, in verse 11. 
And so it brings me to my second point, and that is the other imp- another impact is into knowing what God's will is for us, coming to a full knowledge of God's will for us, is that we learn that we rely on God's strength for our sanctification. Look with me in verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Growth in the Christian faith should be strengthened by God. Paul sees this as something as really important, right? And why is this important? Well, look in the second half. It says that it allows us to have great endurance and patience. Now, I don't necessarily think this endurance and patience is like putting up with your friend's bad singing skills in the car or having to put up with your husband doing the dish, well, not doing the dishes, having patience in that because you've asked him twice already and he still hasn't done it. I think whilst that might be part of it, it's probably more to do with your Christian walk, your sanctification. Now, what's this word sanctification? Well, it means making a person holy, set apart. Separation from the world and an alignment to God. The effect of obedience to God, similar to that of spiritual maturity. And it takes time, this process. Well, it takes a lifetime. It's a long time. It's obedience in the same direction, day after day, week after week, year after year. Growing in our knowledge of God, growing in our faith. Paul knows this, and thus in his prayer, wants to pray to these Colossians that they may grow using God's strength. And even if you look in verse 9, where it says, grow in the knowledge of God's will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Not only do we rely on God's strength, but the Spirit as well. The impact of this, knowing God's will, coming to a full understanding, is knowing that we are broken and we need him. And we need his strength to endure, to have patience through good and bad times. And this isn't necessarily limited to new believers either. A true test of faith often comes when suffering occurs. My grandmother currently is uh, in a... She has this itchy skin condition. She's been with it for seven years to date. Causes her incredible pain. She spends lots of time between Griffith and Peter Mac Hospital in Melbourne, which is one of the best leading cancer research hospitals where there's doctors and nurses who deal with all sorts of cancer patients. But like many cancers, there is no cure. She's undergone many different drugs and trials with Limited results, some good, some bad, but the condition still remains. What holds her together? Well, the support of my grandfather for one, but also her faith in Jesus. She prays daily that she can get through that day. Sometimes it disappears and it's bliss. Other times it still remains and it's painful. Yet she still relies on God's strength. I can only hope to have half the strength that she has. Her strength is in God. Her faith is in Jesus. And so she keeps moving forward. Her faith is stronger than ever because she believes in a holy and just God. 
You know, we hear stories like that and go, wow, that's crazy. Having to endure patiently through that. Sometimes we wish this endurance and patience, this process of sanctification to be instant. You know, you become a Christian, why do I still have to deal with this problem of sin? Well, simply put, it's just not God's plan for us. You know, when Jesus returns, yes, we will be completely sanctified. But until that point, as I said before, it's a lifetime process. It's gradual. We make gradual changes, becoming more like Christ. And doing so, relying on God's strength. Are we trusting and relying in God's strength? Both you and me, are we trusting that he will pull us through? Make it your prayer too, to keep striving to become more like Jesus, using the help of God, using his strength, using the power of the Spirit. God's will for us is to rely on his strength, as we see in verse 11, so we can have endurance and patience. So we've seen that coming to a full knowledge of his will, that the impact of that on us to become more like Christ, but more than that, we should, our, our actions should be pleasing him with the fruit that we bear. We should rely on his strength. And finally, we should have a forever thankful heart. Look with me in verse, verses 12 to 14. It says this, And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. We should be giving joyful thanks for the incredible work that Jesus has done in our lives. If it were not for Jesus, we'd all be paying the price of our sin for those of us that have faith in him. You see, in verse 12, there's also this idea of inheritance. The New Testament often says that this inheritance is our salvation, our final deliverance. Why do we get this inheritance? Simply put, it's because of God's amazing grace. Just as God has rescued the slaves in Egypt under the old covenant in Exodus, God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness through his Son, delivered from the realm of Satan. And now, as believers, we are citizens in God's kingdom. That's why we are forever thankful. The alternative is devastating but deserving. We didn't earn this grace either. There is absolutely nothing we could have done, can do or will do, to get us right with God. This is not something that we do. This is something that God has done. It's our sinful nature that prevents that. To illustrate this, uh, you probably remember back in June, there was a soccer team called the Wild Boars uh, that had 12 boys in it, aged from 11 to 16. The coach wanted them to do a training exercise uh, because they spend up to 20 hours per week with each other and they wanted to uh, grow as a team And so the destination of this exercise was the Tamlung Cave System. It was Thailand's, one of Thailand's longest cave systems. It's filled with tunnels, it's filled with slippery rocks, cliffs, and it's all in pitch black darkness. 
pretty crazy, right? What a destination. The mistake they made, however, was they did it during the wet season. And as they entered and went through, it started to pour. It blocked the entrance that they were in. There was no way out. The coach, I think that was the, the assistant coach, when he, the coach had a meeting prior, and when he arrived there and saw the bikes of the, of the boys that were there, and saw that the entrance was blocked, sparked an international rescue. It was more than a week before they were found. They were found on this little ledge, huddled together. Now, finding them was one thing, but getting them out is a whole completely different ballgame. They had the extra pressure as well of depleting oxygen and forecasted heavy rains. To get them out, one diver at a time, they would have to be tethered. That diver would hold the oxygen tank. They would have to learn to use a full face mask, breathing apparatus. They would have to swim from their location, which is a kilometre below the surface of the earth, to a choke point with a minimum width of 38 centimetres. And then from there, another two kilometres before they reached the rescue base camp. It's crazy. But a fight, as a, a fight against all odds, they survived. But it wasn't without cost. One of the Thai Navy SEALs at the time was trying to deliver some oxygen tanks to them and unfortunately died in the process. The coach at the end of the ordeal thanked the SEAL in a press conference, saying he was amazed that he would sacrifice his life for theirs. Imagine how thankful those boys would have been. There, there would not be a day that had gone by that they would not have been thankful. You know, the rescue team didn't have to save them. So many countries weren't obliged to go and help, you know, endangering their lives, including our country. They were literally brought out of the darkness in that cave system into light. Their lives saved. Now, this story, as incredible as it is, is a shadow to Jesus and what he has done. Shouldn't we as Christians be exceptionally thankful for being saved from an eternal death? No, Jesus died for us too so that we can be made right with him. How much more thankful should we be? If you're not a Christian here tonight, then can I plead with you that you need this rescue? You must understand that this, there's a need to be delivered from and forgiven. The good news about that, though, is it is yours for the taking should you choose it. God comes with open arms. For the Christian, even if you slightly grasp the depth, the width, the height of God's love, you'll want to praise him. Never grow tired of praising him daily. And as I leave WBC, my hope and prayer for each one of you is that you never stop thanking God. Praise him for all he has done for you. Never stop thanking him for what he's done through Jesus on the cross. Keep going. Not only is he worth it, but he is worthy of it. So let's recap. The big idea to tackle tonight was the impact of knowing God's will, coming to a full knowledge of God's will in our lives. What does that look like? We've seen that God's will in part is for us to become more like Christ in being filled with the knowledge of his will, shows us that our actions 
our fruit leads to pleasing God and honoring Him. We also see that we rely on God's strength for endurance and patience. And we also see that we are forever thankful. My prayer, like Paul's, is that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will. Understand what Jesus has done, already done for you, in you, and through you. Encourage each other in that WBC. Tell people about that. Learn it, love it, and love living in it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your Son who died on the cross for us so that we can have a right relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray as, as Paul's prayer to the Colossians that we would be filled with the knowledge of your will. Lord, I pray that our actions would be pleasing and honouring to you as a result of this, that we would rely on you for endurance and strength, for our sanctification. And I pray that we would be forever thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.